Well, I hope, uh, I hope that that was a useful thing to do. We're experimenting uh, just what to do right now. Um, we're trying things out, so let us know how it's going. Send us some emails, uh, put some comments on the videos or on Facebook. Uh, it'd be good to hear back from you. So now we're going to uh, continue, uh, as we would on a Sunday, to have a Bible reading and a talk. And today, David Isherwood and Anne Isherwood are going to help us with that. Anne's going to read to us, and then David's going to speak about this passage. And um, we decided it's time to go back to our planned programme. Um, we don't want to just end up talking about the crisis uh, and all the things that are uh, um, making us uncomfortable and anxious at the moment. We wanted to go back and just say, let the Bible speak for itself. Let's go back to that plan that we had to think during Lent about encounters with Jesus. So uh, we're going to hear the story of uh, Jesus encountering the blind man and the transformation that that brought about uh, in his life. Uh, so over to you, Anne and David. The Bible reading is John chapter 9, beginning at verse 1. A man born blind received sight. As Jesus walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, Jesus spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Then he went and washed and came back able to see. The neighbours and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, it is he. Others were saying, no, but it's someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and receive my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I don't know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also began to ask him how he'd received his sight. He said to them, he put mud on my eyes, then I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him? It was your eyes he opened. He said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and ask them, is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but we do not know how it is that he now sees, 
nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that anyone who confessed Jesus to be the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind, and they said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, I don't know whether he's a sinner. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I've told you already and you wouldn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we don't know where he comes from. The man answered, Here is an astonishing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but he does listen to one who worships him and obeys his will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born entirely in sins, and are you trying to teach us? And they drove him out. Jesus heard that they had driven him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir? Tell me, so that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. This is the word of the Lord. So let's uh, start with a, with a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of your holy word. And we pray that the Lord Jesus will be made known to us by the power of your spirit as we encounter him in this extraordinary text of scripture. Amen. So John chapter 9 and verses 8 and I'm going to read it for you. Um, the neighbours and those who had seen him, that's the blind beggar healed by Jesus, those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? And some were saying, well, it is he. And others were saying, oh, no, but it's someone like him. And he kept on saying, I am the man. We live in transforming times, don't we? Transforming experiences are rife across the nation. Uh, I personally am super impressed by that kind of tsunami of volunteers who signed up to support the NH NHS. I think there are over 550,000 of them at the moment, although you know, I think we need to pray for the poor civil servant upon whose desk 550,000 or more names has fallen and we, as he has to sort out all he's going to do to kind of support them and place them effectively. It's just one example of transformation. 
Uh, we'll not be, surely. Well, I hope not. But we'll not be at the end of this, what we were at the beginning of it, individually or as a neighbourhood or as a nation or as a world community. Something has kind of shaken the foundations. Uh, and the question for me, as a kind of inveterate and daydreaming future thinker is, is what will we, what will we build and how will we build this new world? John chapter 9 is an account of really what it does mean to be met by Jesus and be surprised uh, at the scope of his transformation of a person and their circumstances. Many have referred to this as a, a kind of parable about mistaken identity. Uh, he can't be. Is he the same person uh, that we used to know before? Because in a sense, hopelessness was transformed. Identity was transformed too. And a very confused authority, those who sought him out and were good at, up for an, an argument, were also confused uh, by the healing of this man. They had the tables turned on them by this blind beggar made whole. Just a bit about the context at the end of chapter 8, Jesus has walked out of a crisis in a synagogue. You can imagine the kind of feelings that he had as he, as he so often did, was confronting uh, those uh, who wanted to confront him. Jesus took nothing lying down. His confrontation with the authority threatened to get a, a little violent, that is, violent by, by them. The violence was at their hands. And yet, straight away, he does that quite amazing, kind of out of the corner of his eye, that kind of 2020 vision thing. Walking out, he spots a blind beggar. Jesus takes nothing and no one for granted. And especially nothing and no one that happens across the kind of human landscape. No one within his what we call field of vision. John 9 is the account of the healing of a blind beggar who met Jesus <clears throat> and was healed and transformed. And not just healed and transformed physically, that's crucial. But he was also transformed spiritually and he was transformed psychologically too. What melded and who melded once into the background suddenly in John 9 takes centre stage and has a new identity, a brand new place in the world. So transformation, and so transformed was he, that his default characteristics, his very identity, begging with a hand up, was transformed into a really quite fully human, slightly sarcastic, assertive human being who argued with the authorities who doubted his personal experience of healing and hope. I mean, I really do beg you, I mean, to pick it up and read it for yourself, John chapter 9. In a sense, what John is saying and what John is reminding us is that this is what God in Christ can do and beware because these are the personal effects of such a meeting. So uh, all I want to do is to offer you on this Sunday in Lent just three brief reflections uh, on this passage. Reflections about the sort of changes uh, uh, and hope that Jesus, who is the light of the world, brings into darkness. And what an opposite, what an appropriate reading this is at this time.
And I'll keep it all close up and personal because I think this is what John would have us do, to encounter personally uh, the Lord Jesus, wherever and however we are, um, and, and to find in that meeting something really pivotal that will nudge us, perhaps, just nudge us into a, a new relationship with him. First and foremost, fundamentally, it's about a changed relationship. Uh, as I said just a bit earlier, I mean, this is a, a story that in John's reckoning is absolutely pivotal to understanding who Jesus is and why he is and what he promises. And he's changed uh, this blind beggar made whole. He's changed in his relationship with his parents for a kickoff. You now have to contend with a new member of the family. Someone who was not sighted since birth can now see, and there's a whole new world to learn to live in. But he's also changed with Jesus, who accepts this stranger suddenly as a friend and a companion, with all his rough edges and his untidiness. In fact, so extraordinary is it that his parents blurt out when defending uh, their son uh, against the authorities, he has a tongue in his head, his parents exclaim, he can speak for himself. And you know what? He does. Perhaps one of the real signs of a mature Christian or neighbourhood community is its sense of interdependence, not independence. I need you. You need me. Growing up and becoming a mature person, a mature community, including includes kind of letting go of of former habits, what Paul called childish ways, I mean, former habits, and seeing through the dark glass of this present crisis just what it means, afresh, anew, perhaps in a new transforming way, uh, what it means to love God with all our heart and mind and strength and will and to love our neighbour as we love ourselves. Change relationships. I think, secondly, this encounter with Jesus changes the sort and direction of our hope. The blind beggar is no longer what he once was, nor is he what he will eventually become. None of us are, but by the grace of God, in that moment, he was just who he was. No airs, no graces. Not yet, anyway. One thing I do know, he said, is that though I was blind, I now see. And just contend with that just for a minute. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. This encounter with Jesus changes entirely the source and the direction of his hope. But I guess what's not written here is that it would have taken some time. You see, I think that transformation is sometimes a very slow and and sometimes a laborious and bumpy process. We succumb too easily, don't we, to the temptation of a kind of quick fix, a quick turnaround. I've never forgotten the story I learned that John Newton took 10 years to work out that being a Christian and becoming a Christian and owning slave ships are probably two incompatible realities. Now, thirdly, there's a story here 
about changed and challenging courage. This is the bit that I really think I like a lot. The blind beggar not only recovered his sight, but he found a tongue in his head. And it annoyed a lot of people. His place in the order of things, you see, was firmly fixed. His position in society was firmly fixed. He sat at the gate begging for charity. And suddenly, within the space of what it takes to say, get up and walk and look around you and learn to see again, he's challenging the authorities and powers of his day. And they said, what did he do to you? And how did he open your eyes? They started questioning the truth of his experience. And he's already told them his story. And so he blurted out, and I love him for this, why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciple? The cheek of it. Who does he think he is? You know, you can write the scriptures off. This is an amazing chapter, chapter 9. You can rewrite, the, well, no, not rewrite, but certainly add your notes into the script yourself. Where do you place yourself in this story? You see, I think that for this blind, as, as for so many of us, Telling your story takes courage and, you know, sometimes you'll get it wrong. But you know where it comes from, don't you? And you know who wrote that story in your life. And you know who lives it. You do. And the important thing is that you can tell it. See, Jesus is the transforming reality in this crucial encounter in John's Gospel between himself and a man who knew or thought he knew his station in life. He brings the practical reality of forgiveness and healing and courage and hope in the darkness and the confusion of the world of the blind beggar and into these, these strange days and a weird world. He opens the eyes of anyone who wants to see themselves and everything and everyone around them, including themselves, very differently. And the neighbours, and those who had seen him before as a beggar, began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? And some were saying, Yeah, it is he. And others were saying, No, but it is someone like him. But he kept on saying, I am the man. As we sit, or uh, let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that your greatest desire is to move us from where we are today in the circumstances of today into something new and to something wonderful and extraordinary. So we pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would take us as we are and do what you have to do in us and through us, in our church, in our neighbourhood, in our nation and across the world. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So now, um, as we normally do when we're gathered together and as we did in the videos um, last week, I just want to spend some time uh, reflecting on what we've heard from David, uh, reflecting on that story that Anne read for us um, from the Bible uh, about the blind man and about
transformation. Uh, as David said, these are transforming times uh, when we come out of this crisis, this nation uh, and the way that we think and the way that we are will never be quite the same again. But we were already following a Jesus who transforms us all the time, who is constantly looking to transform us and to change us and to grow us. So let's just take a moment to, to ponder on that, to think about anything that David has said that really stood out for us, that grabbed our attention. Holy Spirit, uh, will you come highlight to us what you're trying to say to us right now? Heavenly Father, will you help us to understand Will you help us to see what you are doing in us right now? And it might be that uh, you're feeling prompted um, to change something in the way that you live or behave or act, or uh, maybe to go and do something, uh, to, to reach out to somebody. Um, if you feel like God is prompting you right now, then will you just make a mental note of that? Will you note that down and not let that pass? Don't let that just be, a, oh, isn't that interesting? Um, but let it be something that changes you and moves you. And Holy Spirit, as uh, we continue in your presence to reflect, um, you may want to just take a moment to reflect on what it is to know this transforming Jesus. You may want to just think back uh, in your own story of this journey with Jesus. When did you first begin to know him? Where did your journey with him start? It might be that it happened years and years and years ago. It may be that it's just happened in the last few months the moment when Jesus came into your life and things started to be transformed. As we reflect on those moments, Lord, we want to open ourselves up to you again and say you've begun your work in us. Will you continue it and will you complete it? We may just want to spend a bit of time praying for the situation going on uh, in our households, amongst our friends, in this neighbourhood and around the world. Lord God, we're just crying out to you right now. We can't make sense of it. We don't understand it. We know that you are good and we know that you are faithful. We know that good things will come out of this when we trust in you. Father, help us to hold on to who you are and to your promises. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're nearly at the end of um, this video and of our time together. Just remember, uh, we're meeting for a coffee chat at quarter past 11 on Zoom. Uh, don't forget to make your own rainbows and stick them in the window and send us some uh, pictures of that. And uh, if you can help us out, if you can um, make little videos to go with ours, um, help us with readings and prayers and things, then uh, do email the office uh, and be in touch. But now, Heavenly Father, 
wherever we are in our homes, may we know your presence, may we be assured of your love, may we be filled with hope in this time when hope seems to be in short supply. May we know your blessing and your love in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I hope to see you very soon for coffee uh, and um, keep looking out for videos. Look after yourselves and stay safe.